Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Living Waters. I was informed that we, in fact, have been live streaming for the last 10 minutes. So, um, so we are very, very good at this. We're very good at it. So welcome in to, uh, to our friends and family who are in on the live stream with us this morning. We were just taking a couple minutes and saying hi to each other and adjusting to a slightly shifted schedule for the morning. So before we begin, let me share with you a couple highlights. Um, one, as I mentioned, middle school, we will be releasing you in a few minutes to go over there and have your normal Sunday morning class. Also, we have baptisms next Sunday. August 21st is a baptism Sunday. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, we would love, so love the honor of baptizing you. Jesus uh, instructed us to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to baptize people as we say yes to following him, that the beginning of our journey of discipleship would be uh, in being baptized, to connect with him in that story of his life and death and resurrection as we come out of that water into a new life. And so if that's you and you would like to be baptized, um, we'll be doing that next Sunday. You can sign up uh, by using that QR code. You can also grab those information cards that are in the seats around you. Those have a QR code on them as well. And and generally speaking, anything that I talk about this morning, um, you can access, you can get access to it through that QR code. Um, Also, we have uh, another Community Life Sunday coming up on August 28th. If you were not a part of our last Community Life Sunday, it is the last Sunday of every month we do a Community Life Sunday. And the goal of these Community Life Sundays is to allow you time to meet together with your community group, but it's also a chance for us to come together, still come together, but to come together in a little bit different form than what we do on Sunday mornings. And so last time we came together, we hosted a meal in here for people that wanted to come in and have a meal and fellowship and break bread together. And we had a group of us that were out there. We picked up trash in the city. Uh, We cleaned up graffiti. We had another group that went into Liberty Park, which is this neighborhood uh, from Jackson all the way down to McAndrews. We call it Liberty park and it's it's on our hearts and so we had a group that went in there and picked up trash and so we're going to be doing more to connect with our city more to serve our city and more things to hold space for community life to happen around us and so we want to invite you out to that next august 28 that's august 28th it's sunday it'll be at 10 a.m for those that want to join us for sort of the corporate part of that we'll be here at 10 a.m and uh, be ready to serve, or if you would like to come and be a part of the meal and, and get to know people by, eat, by eating together and hanging out, come and do that. It's a really, really great time together. And we want to also ask that if anybody would like to help us host that meal, um, that you could email Lysha at lwrv.org. Lysha, L-Y-S-H-A at lwrv.org. Email her and she will get you on the team that helps us host that meal. Uh, We're imagining it just growing probably to be about 50 people in here, hopefully um, hanging out, building connection. Um, Okay, so that's your your quick little highlights this morning. As I said, we're going to be talking about emotionally healthy spirituality this morning. So, yep, yep, sorry, that's, uh, it's built in. Yeah, oh, it's going to be good, (laughs) so watch out. Uh, Okay, so... Let's, let's go ahead and give it a quick shout out. It's probably ready. Head to heart. 
Look at it. Okay, so guys, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in the, in the message and uh, assuming that everything stays on schedule. Uh, but September 30th through November 29th on Tuesdays at 6.30 for men, this is an opportunity for us to get together to connect with Jesus, connect with other guys, connect to our hearts and our emotions. And like we're talking about this morning, uh, emotionally healthy spirituality means coming out of some of the places that we're hiding, inviting God into the deeper places, into the healing and the wholeness and the restoration that he has for us. And, and that includes a powerful choice for us, especially as men to say yes to things that maybe you typically wouldn't. And so this would be one, uh, as I lead this community, that I would put my whole heart behind and I would ask you guys as men to come out to this and be a part of it with Pete and, uh, and Christian and the other guys that are doing it. September 30th, you can sign up on the QR code, you can do that. So now when I reference it later on in the message, I won't have to do a whole spiel and you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, everybody good? So far, so good. You're like, what is this? Should we? Should I sing a song for you just to miss so it feels like church? Yeah. Me, 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 me. Ow. La, 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 loo. <clears throat> oh, let's see. You bring times of refreshing. All right. Jesus, we thank you that you are the heart and soul and center of this house. And we invite you to continually be king of our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our homes. We fix our eyes on you as we talk about the deeper things this morning. Just give permission for us to feel, permission for our emotions to rise to the surface. Maybe things that we've spent years pushing down that you are allowing those to be uncapped so that they can become sources of healing as we discover where they're coming from. Why you would bring us into seasons of life where our emotions can become undone so that we may be known by you, we may be healed and we would not find ourselves stuck on this journey because we are not focusing our hearts and our eyes on the emotional health that you have invited us into. So we ask God that your presence would come and flood this place. We declare this is a place of safety. This is a place where people can be known and seen. We break off the lie of religious performance. We break off the lie of having to have it together or look a certain way, be a certain way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, awesome. So Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is a, is a book um, that maybe a lot of you have read or maybe you've grabbed it. We encourage you to grab it. Um, see this picture of the iceberg. It's, it's, a, it's a metaphor that we will use uh, throughout is that an iceberg, generally speaking, you can see about 15, 20% of it, and then there's another 80% that exists under the surface of the water. And what happens a lot of times in our journey with Jesus is that we get focused on the 15 to 20% of our lives that people can see. And we tend to over-spiritualize to the point where we're ignoring the 80% that exists under the waterline, the invisible part of our, of our lives and hearts and stories. And so what we want to do is be a place where we are okay saying, yeah, great, you look good. Looks like you got spit and posh. You, you got it all together. You know, you, you managed to get dressed, be here on time, Sunday morning, you're doing all things, but what about all of the, all the stuff that's under the surface, and so we want to be a place where we, we look into those things, and we, we open our hearts to those things, and, and so 
as we have journeyed through this for years and years and years, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the book, has been one of the foundational points of who we are as a family and as a church at, at Living Waters. And, um, and so <clears throat> a few weeks ago, um, and we'll get back to, we'll continue our journey through Acts. Like, I love teaching scripturally, and I mean, I always teach scripturally, let's just be, let's just be clear. I love teaching scripturally, but today we're going to go way off the reservation. No. Um, I love teaching scripture, scripture, scripture as we go through like the book of Acts, and we're going to get back to that, but for these few weeks, we wanted to do EHS, and this is an extension of our series we did a few weeks ago called Living Waters Foundations, and so Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is one of our foundations, but it takes more than a week to go through. So Kim did a great job last week. Uh, really just saying, hey, we need this. She was like the salesperson that came up front and said, do you want this? Yes, say yes. Yes, I want it. And now you're like, wait, what, did I, what do I want? And so my job is to come and backfill a little bit of grabbing onto that gusto and saying, you want this? Here's what we're talking about. And so that's what I'm gonna do this morning. And so this is, uh, and then next week, Drew is gonna come and he's gonna talk even more about some of the practicals and the nuts and bolts and even the how-to, like what, so often in church, we can fire people up, but we don't do a lot, do real well with application and steps and, and processes. And so um, Drew's gonna come and share some of some of that. And, and let me share my story with you um, of why this is so meaningful and important to me is there's been a lot of places where, as we have pastored for years, we began uh, in, in leadership uh, in 2000, Kate and I did, in 2001. And over the years, we have seen people who have been in their journey with Jesus, and it's like the longer they walk with Jesus, the more they become like Jesus. The, the, the softer they become, the more humble they become. Um, they become people of deep introspection and spiritual journey and prayer and all of these things. And not just outward appearance, but it's like they, they walk with Jesus in a way that brings an unfolding tenderness and, and, and childlikeness to their faith. And that's what we have wanted. That's what we have longed for. That is how we have wanted to lead people. And that's how we've wanted to lead our own lives. Because we've experienced the opposite as well, which is very confusing, can be very confusing to us, is people who have walked with Jesus and they go to church and they memorize the verses and they show up at the breakfasts and the Bible studies and the whatever, whatever, whatever. And, the, and, it, and it seems like the longer they walk with Jesus, the, the more grumpy they become and the more, the, 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 the more anchored they become to temporary things like, like finance, finances or political solutions or, or whatever the case may be. And we get, start to grab onto this world more and more. And, 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 and these are our folks that, like, like, as I said, they come to church and, and do the things and then we encounter them in different settings and, or they send us a, an unexpected email that's not very nice, right? I'm not airing all of it out and just being a whiny baby. But people can surprise us as they walk with Jesus a long period of time. And we had to ask ourselves, why is it that sometimes when we walk with Jesus, when people walk with Jesus a long time, it doesn't seem to really change them deeply. In fact, it almost reinforces some of their behaviors and they become entrenched in them. Why is that? Is it because they're bad people? No, absolutely not. Could it be then that we have a form of spirituality that deals with external behavior more than it deals with internal sanctification and righteousness and redemption and the story of what God wants to do inside of us 
and that we could actually understand that you cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. When we jump off the wagon of, of that emotional maturity journey and we say, this is who I am, this is whatever, then we, we hunker down in that place and we cease to grow and we can get stuck in these emotional places of, of immaturity. And then we come to Jesus in a faith or a Christian walk where people are celebrating us for, for you serve and you've got this gift and you show up and you do all these things well. And so we get celebrated for external things and we forget about the internal things. When, when, when there's a car accident and the paramedics show up, they are not going, oh, there's broken fingers and there's a, there's a broken leg or they're not worried about that initially. What are they initially worried about? Internal bleeding, right? They're looking for these things that would be in, unseen, that would be far more dangerous to some, threatening to someone's life than a broken arm. Like the broken arm, which could be extremely gross and painful, and it may be the thing that the person's even screaming about. And they're like, we will set the arm, but first let us make sure that there's nothing going on inside of you that we're going to miss by jumping to fixing your broken arm. And when we have churches, and if we are a church where people come in and we fixate on their, the temporary things, the external behaviors, or the most obvious things, and we say, you got to change this, you got to change this, you got to change this, and we never ask the question, emotions, trauma, woundedness, things that have happened to you along the way where you are internally bleeding out the life of Christ or internally bleeding in a way that's wounding you and keeping you from experiencing the full victory that Jesus has for you. These, this is, if we are to say the church is a hospital, great, then let's bring people in and let's not fixate immediately on the most visible things. Let's ask the harder question that says, are there things inside of you? that the Lord is after, that if healed and when healed will set you up for a life that reflects and becomes more and more like Christ so that in 30 years of saying, I've been following Jesus by, for 30 years, great, why are you the most angry person in the family? <laughs> I've been following Jesus for 30 years, I can see it, you are so humble and kind and peace-filled and faith-filled. Why? Because you've allowed the spirit of the living God to meet you in these places of trauma and woundedness and bring you into a place of emotional health so that as we grow, we are not just throwing a Band-Aid or a tourniquet onto people's lives. Like we have spiritualized people into divorce. We have spiritualized people into institutions. We have spiritualized people into failure and brokenness. Why? Because... We haven't created a place where it's safe to say, I am deeply hurting and I am a mess. Or if people do say that, we go, come here, brother, let's just pray for you. And we lay hands on them and we're like, anxiety be gone in Jesus' name. You are a demon. No, anxiety is not a demon. Anxiety is a result of things that I've experienced in my life and the things I've, and the tools I've been given to respond to it. And when somebody lays their hands on me and says, get rid of anxiety. Okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. Do I believe in the power of God to show up and deliver us like this from things like this? Absolutely, I do. And I will pray for you. It's just that if I pray for you, I might be like, hey, let's talk about what's going on deep. Have you thought about how you're sleeping? Have you thought about how your story has brought you to this point? Have you thought about going and seeing a doctor? Have you thought about a longer care and 
process with the Spirit of God than just coming forward to an altar and getting prayer on a Sunday morning. Because we want to be about that, that component in the heart of a Spirit-filled church where we believe in the power of ministering the life and the power of God to people, but we also want to be a place where it's safe to be undone, and as you are undone, we're not just going to over-spiritualize it, throw a Band-Aid on it, or throw a tourniquet on it and let, watch that area of your life completely die. We don't want that. We want people fully alive. And to be fully alive means we have to say no to the religious spirit that wants to say, take that part of you that you don't like and just jam it so far down deep inside of you that it dies. Because now you're not wholly alive. Every area of your life, even those places in us where we have learned to be an imposter. How many of you are, are, have uh, picked up Abba's Child? Are you, have you, are you reading it? We threw it out there the other day. We're like, hey, read Abba's Child. One of the things I love about Abba's Child is that he talks about, Brendan Manning, he talks about the imposter. The imposter is the false self that we learn to function in. And oftentimes, like, people give us recognition for that false self or this false self is a bunch of behaviors and feelings and thoughts that we don't like. And so we, rem we try to remove ourselves from the imposter. We say, God, this is, this is who you want me to be. This is the, the imposter, Ugh, like the bad behaviors and the bad feelings. Yeah, the sinner. Stay out, stay out in the dark while I go into the Father's house. And we leave the imposter in the dark and we come into the father's house and we sit at the table all the while not understanding why we feel so disconnected, why we have incongruent realities that are existing in us while we go to church and we sing the songs and we feel God. And then by the time we've made it home to our driveway, we're parked out front crying because we don't feel the, the, the life that we, that we see promised to us in the word. So we have this imposter and we blame the imposter for all these things and we remove the imposter from the love of God. And it isn't until we discover that the imposter is us and that the imposter needs to come into with us to receive the love of the Father, to become whole, to bring congruency into our life and to allow his love to hit even the most I won't even say vile, the, the, the places we feel the worst or the most shamed about. Yep, you don't leave those at the doorstep. And if you do, they will pick right back up when you leave and you will, you will not experience the fullness of life that we have in Jesus. And so what we're invited to is to say, come, even that imposter, even that part of shame, even the place that you don't like, it's to come and to be loved and to be known and to be seen. And so in my personal journey, there's a lot of stories like this, but one that marks my life was, was a time, and I've talked about it a few times. Um, you guys might think that maybe this is the only meaningful story that's ever happened in my life because it's the only one that I talk about. Because this is the, this is the for those of you that know me, this is the center of my life, my wife. Um, <clears throat> and so when we were younger, uh, we broke up and we, we didn't speak for a couple years and, and, and many of you know the story. And so I think we were in our early 20s and I was certain that, that God had spoken to my heart that we were, that we were gonna get married. And it wasn't like the, it wasn't the typical like Christian boy that sees a girl and within five minutes has been like, you know what, I was just praying and the Lord told me, you're gonna be my wife. Like if anybody does that, run. <laughs> Spiritual toxicity. Um, 
Yes, I know. You're, some of you are like, hey, it worked. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> How healthy is your marriage? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, I believe... <laughs> I'm sorry for all of you. Um, <laughs> so I believed over a period of dating Kate for a long time, I believed that God had said that this is, we are to be together. We are going to get married. I started saving for a ring. And, um, and so I was going to propose to her. We had it all planned out. And then she broke up with me. And then I spent a couple years in what, looking back at it, I spent a couple years just completely lost, confused, anxious, depressed, um, just, I, I, I had walked with the Lord. I had walked in a form of Christianity my whole life. I thought it made me, uh, impervious to this kind, kind of experience. And when I, when I discovered it or when it happened, I didn't know what to do with myself. And so it sent me uh, onto a really hard path doing dumb things and making poor decisions, not taking care of myself emotionally, physically, um, spiritually. And so I, I came to the point where, uh, after a couple years of that, that I, I had an encounter with the Lord. I felt like he was meeting me. And, um, and his basic question for me was, are you angry? And I was like, no, why? Because I'd been, <laughs> no, because I had spent two years denying anger existed because anger is a negative emotion and a negative emotion in my formula, a negative emotion means that I'm doing something wrong, I'm doing something poorly and it doesn't belong in a good Christian's life. And so I spent two years suppressing anger what happens when you suppress any emotion, negative or positive, what happens when you suppress it is that it goes toxic. And so what we want to do is learn to be people who can express emotions, the whole gamut of emotions, and do it in a healthy way because your emotions will be expressed and your emotional needs will be met. And so if I am pushing things down, there is going to be a way that it is expressed. And for me, it was expressing itself in me, leaking life out of my uh, out of my heart, and I was and I was in a really low space. And so when God began to talk to me about whether I was angry, I was like, No, I'm not angry. Angry? <laughs> don't you know who I am, God? I don't get angry. And, I, and I, we had this conversation, and he faithfully continued to ask me and pulled this out of me until I was like, you know what? I am so angry. I'm so angry because you promised something to me. I believe that you promised something to me, and I believe that I heard your voice. And I began to build my life in the faith of that. I began to build my life a certain way. I'm so angry. And at first, I was like, I'm really angry at Kate. <laughs> And he was like, are you? And I was like, yeah, she's the worst. <laughs> and that guy, she's dating. What a, what a jack wagon. <laughs> he probably pulled the like, hey, God just told me you're supposed to be my wife. <laughs> so I'm really angry. I'm angry at this guy. I'm angry at Kate. And he was like, are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? I was like, no, I'm angry at you. I'm angry at you. And he said, all right, then pour it out. And I was like, mm -mm. again, our spiritual formulas tell us that we cannot be angry at God. So when he invites me to pour it out, to basically throw a tantrum, to cuss him out, to kick a wall, to whatever, I'm like, pour it out. I'm not going to reject you because of your emotion. And if you do not release that emotion, you are going to say, I am not an angry person. 
I'm not angry at God. I'm not a, I forgave Kate. I'm forgiving everybody. I do all of the things, and I'm going to go into ministry, and I'm going to lead a church, and I'm going to tell people I'm not angry, but I'm only half alive emotionally because I had to shut off an entire part of my being to be able to function. And before long, three years down the road, five years down the road, eight years down the road, am I an angry person? No. Ask my kids. Is he an angry person? Yes. Ask people around me, is he an angry person? Yes, why? Because, again, when we are not emotionally mature enough to bring these things before God and to express them and to be healed in them, we can convince ourselves through re religious behaviors and looking the right way that it is not that we are not, in fact, angry or fill in your own blank. But when I suppress it and I push it in, it comes out. And so when God asked me to say, pour out your anger on me, it wasn't like a 20-minute thing. It was a process of days and weeks of learning to be safe in my father's presence where I could say, I am so mad at you. I am so mad at everything, whatever. I just getting it out. And at first I thought, this is going to be a train wreck. This is going to, he's going to remove me from his presence, whatever the lie was. And instead, all it became was this therapy of removing the things that have stacked up between me and my father's embrace. And they're there whether I want to look at them or not, right? Your dog ever pee on the floor and you're like, come over here. And your dog's like, what? Like, that's what I would do with things that I thought were bad, negative, unhealthy. Oh, I'm not going to look at it. Well, guess what? They're still there. And if they have created a space between me and receiving the Father's embrace, his arms are always open. But the things that I may allow to stack up do, in fact, hinder my ability to experience the spiritual health. And so as I learned this story and this reality of letting things go, being honest with where I was, and pouring things out, it put me on a completely different trajectory than I was before. And it changed me at such a degree, <clears throat> to such a degree, that when Kate and I did get back together, <laughs> praise the Lord, <laughs> uh, she'll tell you, it was like a completely different person. Because the breaking process and the spiritual and emotional health that came out of that is what changed my life. It's what changed our lives. It's what's changed, I think, the future of our kids and our family is that I still am in dealing with emotional things, but I'm not in denial about root core issues that exist within me that God wants to reach. And so the invitation that we have to be emotionally healthy people is to take a hard look at the things that we're feeling, why we're feeling them, and to invite the Spirit of God to come into those places and to reveal to us where they are sourced and what He would have us do in response to them. There is not one answer, right? Every single one of us dealing with things, there's not one answer that we're going to say, oh, well, for, for this, you do this. For this, you do this. For every one of us on a personal journey to say, why do I feel what I'm feeling right now? And I think for men, as I share, I think for men, it's particularly important because so often when I sit down with men and ask them, what are you feeling? It is not that we cannot feel. It's that we feel so intensely 
and we do not have an opportunity to express that in a healthy way, that when you ask, what are you feeling? We're like, that's how I feel. Or, or we are so emotionally underdeveloped that we can, that we cannot tell the difference as men between sadness and grief or anger or resentment or woundedness or whatever it is. And so for me, my passion is, is to be able to walk with men to say we are so emotionally in tune that we can, act, we can articulate and express our emotions and our emotional needs, first to God, but also to people around us. Because every time we act out, we are expressing an emotional need. It's just that we don't know how to articulate it or to ask for it to be met. And what, what God wants to do is he wants to teach us as men and as women to be able to say, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? What is the emotional need that is being expressed? How do I bring that to the Lord? How do I allow God to meet that need? Now listen, thank you. How do I allow God to meet my emotional needs? Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, God is going to meet all of your emotional needs. I mean, he is, but it's not the way that you think. And so what we need to do is go on a journey of discovery to say, I have an emotional need, and it is welling out of, an, of maybe it's welling out of a wound or a false belief or something from my past or something recent, I have an emotional need that's welling up out of it. And I want to say, God, what is the source of this thing that I'm feeling or this physiological response that I'm having or this spike of adrenaline or this anger that I'm, what is the source of it? And instead of just saying, bad, get away, detach myself from it and throw the imposter out into the street, I say, no, 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 what are you feeling? Why are you feeling it? And then as I surrender that need to God, he will absolutely meet it. But it might not be his magic God wand that he just waves over your emotions and goes, oh, boop, it went away. It might actually be, I'm gonna meet your emotional needs through one of your kids, through your husband or wife, through community, through you sitting down in vulnerability and sharing this with other people. And you're like, God, I thought you were going to meet all my emotional needs by just making them go away. He's like, no, I will meet them. I will meet them. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about this a lot. That one of the most important things about getting our emotional needs met by Jesus is that we first find the source of them and then surrender them to him. And so if I'm going to say to you that Kate does, in fact, meet a lot of my emotional needs, and I believe that that is an extension of the Father's love to me to provide a, a person in my life who I can go to and receive from, if I have not first surrendered that place of need to God, I will be codependent and drawing it from her. So it's important that we understand the source so that God can meet us there. We can surrender into the capacity and degree that we need to surrender so that then people and places that we go and community that we're in can meet 
those needs as God would intend us to live in health and in community. Does that make sense? Okay. Should I now check my notes? Let's just see where we're at. It's 10.38 and page one. I do feel that to, to, this is on my heart, to set Drew up well for success next week as he continues to share and maybe dive a little bit more into the, the nuts and bolts and the applications and how does it look and what do I, all of those beautiful things that we want to equip you and give you tools. I want to talk about some of the places that we get somewhat stuck. And this is, uh, I brought this from the, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the book. And he talks about, in the book, he talks about what it looks like when we get stuck in emotional states. And I'm not saying that, you're, you're, that we're this across the board, okay? We're not looking for those 100% of the time answers. I'm not saying that. But there are places in our lives when we might get stuck in these places. And what happens is that as we're journeying through the de emotional development of our life, some of these things get neglected or overlooked or our needs are not met. And as they are not met, we learn to get those needs met ourselves. We figure out ways to get our emotional needs met. But a lot of times there is an arresting of development that happens in that place. When we're not getting our needs met, we learn to meet them a certain way, and that, that inhibits our emotional maturing to take place. And so I want to read this to you guys just so you understand what I'm talking about, okay? And then you can rank yourself into which tier that you're in so you can pat yourself on the back. That last part was a joke. Total joke, please do not rank yourself into tiers, okay? Or into tiers. You can do that. So if I am an emotional infant in an area of my life, I will look for others to take care of me. I will have great difficulty entering into the world of others. I will be driven by need of instant gratification. And I will use others as objects to meet my needs. If I'm an emotional infant, that's some of the markers. If I'm an emotional child, I, I am content and happy as long as I receive what I want. I unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. I interpret disagreement as personal offense. I am easily hurt. I complain, I withdraw, I manipulate, I take revenge, I become sarcastic when I don't get my way. My children will tell you that I am an emotional child sometimes. <laughs> Look, I, I can, I'm reading this with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, why? There's an emotional need that I have either religious, put religion over the top of it or whatever it is. I'm like, no, God wants to go to that place. Why do you withdraw when you don't get your way? No, I'm a man. That's why. No, maybe it was something that happened when you were younger and you just, you know. Okay, sorry. Emotional adolescents tend to be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism, keep score of what they give so that they can ask for something later in return. They deal with conflict poorly. They often blame, appease. They go to a third party. They pout. They ignore the issue entirely. Emotional adolescents will become preoccupied with themselves. They have great difficulty truly listening to another person's pain, disappointment, or needs, and they can be critical or judgmental. And then emotional adults. I believe this is where God is wanting to develop us to 
in our, in our journey of becoming like Christ. Emotional adults are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. Emotional adults recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. They can, can, when under pressure, under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. They respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. They appreciate people for who they are, the good and the bad and the ugly, not for what they give back. They accurately assess their own limits, limits and strengths and weaknesses and are able to freely discuss them with others. They are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and are able to enter into the feelings and needs and concerns of others without losing themselves. And they have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspectives of others. I'm going to have the um, worship team come back up or make their way back up here as we spend the next bit of time in worship. And before I share a couple more things as they make their way up. I want to set the table for what we're, we're going to do for the next few minutes. Um, first of all, communion is available to you. We have a table full of communion here, and we have a t table full of communion here. So as we worship for the next 35 or 40 minutes, we want to invite you to honor the life of Jesus. And honoring the life of Jesus on this particular morning means remembering that he has made a way for you to experience the fullness of his redemptive work that would not just land on your behavior, but would go to the core of who you are. And so as we take communion today, I want us to do it as always. I want us to do it as an exchange and an opportunity and an invitation for Jesus to meet us, possibly at some of the wells of emotion that we have locked and covered over, and that he would meet us at that well and unlock it with us and say, let's, let's find out what the source of this is. No more living in denial. No more living half alive because you've learned to suppress every emotion that feels out of control or feels negative. What I believe that the Spirit of God wants to do in this room this morning is invite us to feel, invite us to be seen in our feelings, I believe that for some of us, it's inviting the imposter who we have put all of our blame and all of the negative stuff of our life on and shut him, her, or her out of the presence of the Father. I believe that in communion and in the ministry of the Spirit of God, that we would be finding our wholeness and bringing the imposter back into ourselves and discovering that it was always me. Hear me say this, healing is not becoming the best version of yourself. Healing is letting the worst version of yourself be loved by the Father. And I want us to sit on that truth as we close this time. That we would not spiritualize ourself into breakdown. That we would not spiritualize our marriage into failure. That we would not spiritualize our life and our journey into a place where we end up living less than fully alive as Christ has intended. So often we turn healing into becoming a perfect version of ourselves and all that's gonna produce in us is bondage and anxiety. Healing truly is allowing all of yourself, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, to be loved by the Father, to be met by the Father, 
and to be healed so that you are not living out of unexpressed emotional needs and you are not living in reaction and that you are inviting God to say, yeah, I've got some broken arms, I got some stuff on the outside, I got some external stuff, but I want you to work on the internal bleeding, the stuff that is leaking the life out of me. I want the healing of that place. And I know it's a very simple analogy to say if I had a waterfall right here and I had a brick and a cup and I stuck that brick under the waterfall, it would come out wet but if I stuck the cup under the waterfall, it would come out filled. And I believe that the difference is, is that in religion, we can find, we can spend years and years and years and years as bricks where we come to church, we come to the right places, we do the right things, but it never penetrates to the internal. And yes, we come and we get the water poured on us and yeah, we get wet. But God doesn't want us to just get wet in his presence or with his love. He wants us to open up our lives as cups and to fully be filled and washed and restored and renewed even to the depths of our emotions and the stories and the journeys and the traumas that have happened to us that have caused us to get stuck in emotional places. He has healing for you. Stop hiding it. Stop pretending it's not there. We will not turn religion into a band-aid. We will not turn religion into a tourniquet. And I want to say this, that maybe just somebody needs to hear this. Two things I want to share, actually. <laughs> One, the journey of my relationship with the Lord in the story with Kate, where I had to learn to be okay with being angry at God and processing my emotion with him. It seems like kind of a... I don't know, it's not trivial to me, but it can sound like, oh, it's just a cute little love story, right? But I've pulled on that story in the last year since my brother's death. I have pulled on that reality of what God taught me in that moment. Because if I did not know that I could be angry at God, if I didn't know I had a father who could experience the full expression of my emotion and not turn away from me, if I didn't learn that when I was 24 years old, when this happened, I would have shut that down and I would have continued to do this while being hollow inside and two or three years down the road, the breakdown, the failure, the hopelessness, whatever it is. So if I didn't know that God is a father who wants my emotion and he doesn't categorize them as positive and negative, but just says, son, I want to know all of you. Pour it out on me. Pound my chest if you have to. Curse at me if you have to. I will not turn away from your emotion or your fear or your anger or your doubt. I will embrace you in it. And that's the first thing I want to hear and want you guys to hear is that we will draw from these lessons that we learn. And the second thing is this. And this is just personal that I wrote down, but I wanted for whoever needed to hear this, is that you are not a burden. Maybe you've been told that your emotions are too much. Or maybe you feel like I'm always the one that, whatever, lie. I just want somebody, everybody to hear this. You are not a burden. 
your emotions, your pain, your trauma, your wound, your hurt, your injury, your need. You are not a burden. It is healthy to have needs. It is healthy to express them to the Lord. It is healthy to bring them before your community. You are not a burden. You are not too much. And you are not a project for God. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, what a project, I can't wait to get to work. He just looks at you and says, that's my son, that's my daughter. And if he sees things that you're dragging around your life that are hurting you, and like any good father, he's gonna wanna come to that place and say, can I have that? You're not a project for me, you're my son. And I see that you're hurting and you're not living fully alive and I want that place. Will you give it to me? He doesn't wanna fix you. He wants that to be an expression of his love to you, to bring you into wholeness. You are not a burden. You're not a project. You are loved. And that means all of you, everything that you're feeling, everything that you're going through, don't shut it outside. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Jesus, we give you these moments ahead of us. And we say yes to being undone. We say yes to being seen. We say yes to feeling emotions that we have shut down or shut off. And we believe they're not manly, they're not healthy, they're not whatever, they're negative. We've shut them off, which means we've shut off entire parts of ourselves. And that is not how you want us to live. And we speak this again over every person here is that healing is not becoming the best version of ourselves healing is letting those places that you feel shame in you feel discomfort in you feel afraid of going into it is letting the love of the Father come to those places as well so come and meet us in Jesus name